Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Years, session number 461. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a question. What would you do if you applied to medical school, didn't get in, reapplied early decision, hoping, putting all of your eggs in one basket, and then get that acceptance. That's what happened to our guest today. He talks about his journey to applying to medical school, some mistakes that were potentially made in his first application cycle, how he fixed those mistakes, even with interviews, and how he decided to apply early decision second time around to his dream school and ended up getting in. Today's episode is all about asking the right questions, doing the perfect self-reflection, and making sure that if at first you don't succeed, you try properly again. Don't forget to check out blueprintmcat.com, our MCAT Minute sponsored by the amazing Blueprint MCAT crew. If you are planning on taking the MCAT in 2022, in like January, March, April, the dates are out as of now. Go check them out. The schedules have changed a little bit with no afternoon schedules for most of the, the sessions. So go check them out at, through the AAMC. And don't forget to check out the amazing free resources at blueprintmcat.com, including their awesome new spaced repetition platform with over 1,600 expertly crafted flashcards available on that platform. Let's go ahead and jump in to our session with Evan. Evan, welcome to the Pre-Med Years podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Dr. Gray. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to chat with you. I, I got an email from you uh, about a month or so ago now, and uh, I, I loved the, the email and wanted to bring you on, and hopefully we'll, we'll 
uh, help some people understand that you don't have to be a perfect student to get into medical school. So let's start the conversation with my favorite question. When did you first realize you wanted to be a physician? Oh, that's a tough question because it goes back uh, a long time and definitely a lot of um, kind of things along the road that, that led me down the path. So I guess it first started, I was a senior in high school, um, played baseball most of my life, um, but then I never had any college offers or anything. So I thought senior year, try out for the basketball team, you know, try to enjoy it a little bit. And I ended up um, tearing my meniscus in my knee. and having to have surgery on it. And just that, with, that was what got me kind of immersed in the field of healthcare. Um, going through that rehab with the physician, you know, physician, physical therapist, athletic trainers. Um, that's really what got me into the field of healthcare. And so after that, I decided to go to Quinnipiac University. And I studied athletic training, sports medicine. And then it wasn't really until my junior year that I knew that I wanted to be a physician. And it was, I want to say it was uh, one of my rotations, clinical rotations with women's lacrosse. And there was a player that was kind of in a similar situation to what I was in when I was in high school. They, it was their senior year, had a bad knee injury. And seeing kind of the way that that patient-doctor relationship played out, I really became envious of the role that the physician had there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think was the moment that I kind of knew, like, I, this is what I want to do, you know, seeing all the knowledge and just how he was able to tie that in and connect with the patient. And, you know, I'm able to really motivate people as an athletic trainer, help them with their rehabs, all that kind of stuff, which I really enjoy. But um, that was kind of the moment for me when I was like, this, this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. That's awesome. A very similar journey to me, although I, I found that kind of uh, change a little bit earlier. Because you were later on in the process as, as an undergrad, how did that affect your ability to, to kind of take prereqs and, and kind of change your path? Yeah, so with the athletic training program at Quinnipiac, it into the curriculum, it integrated a lot of the core pre-med classes. And for me, that's why I chose to go into to study athletic training, because it had your biochemistry classes like that the only classes that i had to take outside of the um, core curriculum was organic chemistry and biochemistry so for me it kept a lot of doors open you know once i graduated i could if i wanted to pursue athletic training i could do that if i wanted to go to pt school pa school med school i already had all those core classes to do that Um, and in addition the athletic training program there had a lot of um, a lot of clinical experience requirements. So, you know, it was a really good way for me to get the some hand, early hands-on clinical experience throughout my undergrad studies. Um, and then, you know, from there, like I said, once I knew that I wanted to be a physician, then I started to integrate those other classes that I needed to take. So it was actually a pretty simple transition what did the people around you, whether it was an advisor, family members, et cetera, how did they take the news that you're like, okay, I, I made up my decision. I'm, I want to go to medical school. Yeah. Um, you know, some people were definitely like, oh, that's awesome. Go for it. So happy for you. And then other people are like, man, that's, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of school. Are you sure you want to do that? It's a lot of money. And um, so definitely some mixed emotions from people, but, um, 
you know, definitely got a lot of support from a lot of important people. So that's really what, um, what's helped me throughout the journey. What were your biggest hesitations? Um, I mean, I think at the time, some of my stats, I mean, my, my GPA wasn't stellar. So, you know, that definitely was, um, was a little bit hesitant with that. And then just going off that, you know, a lot of the, am, am I smart enough for this? Can I do this? A lot of the things that, you know, your typical pre-med thinks like, oh, you know, am I really smart enough to get through med school? Am I smart enough to be a doctor? And um, kind of just had to take that leap and take that jump. And I'm happy I did. What were some of the, the struggles for you early on grade-wise uh, that, that you were concerned about? Uh, so, I mean, my first two years of undergrad were just not very good. Um, I didn't do a great job really reflecting, I, I would say, would be the biggest thing. You know, I would go into a test, not do great on it. And instead of, you know, being mature enough to sit there and say, okay, why didn't I do good enough on this? Like, what can I do better to improve on this? I would just kind of take the approach of, oh, I'll get it next time. I'll, I'll do better on the next one. Have the same bad study habits, the same same study or just the same habits over and over. Um, and eventually I just got to a point where I was able to improve on that and take the time to reflect and figure out what needed to happen. Study habits were better. Um, figured out exactly how I, I learned. That was another big issue for me that I would just try to take notes and just write words and Eventually, I realized how much of a visual learner I am and when I can incorporate pictures or if you're referring to like anatomy, when I can actually see the anatomy, that that was something that was huge for me. So um, really refining my study habits and figuring out how I learned best were probably the two biggest things for me. Was there can, is there any correlation between when your study habits improved and your grades improved to when you made this final decision that that you wanted to go to medical school? I think so. I think it was right around the same time, actually. Um, you know, there were some other things that happened during that time. Like um, I had a really, really good mentor my junior year when I made that decision. And he really he really pushed me and really challenged me. And I really grew a lot during that time. Um, so I think it was a little bit of both for sure. You know, I had a very clear objective of what I want to do with my life. And also I had someone who really made a huge influence on me and really pushed me and challenged me. So I think those two things together were, were really, really important for that. When, when you were getting through this process, uh, one of the things that, that really stood out to me was in your email when you reached out to me was the fact that your GPA isn't the greatest but you said you finished with an upward trend with your last semesters being much, much higher and, and much more what we would consider competitive. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of come to learn about upward trends and how that was important? Because a lot of people with your GPA would go, there's no chance I'm getting into medical school and advisors and, and loved ones and mentors, et cetera, would be like, don't apply to medical school. You're not going to get in with those GPAs. Yeah. How, did, how did you come to realize that it's something you could do? I think there was two big things that happened there. One, obviously your podcast, all the resources you guys have out there and just explaining like, hey, it's not just black and white. It's not, do you have this GPA or do you not? You know, it's 
did you have that upward trend? Did you not have that upward trend? Is it early or um, when exactly was that upward trend? How long is it? How many credits? All those things that you guys talk about. Um, it was that's where I've learned most of it. And then also my advisor at school who I can't thank her enough for all the help throughout the years. Um, she was super just amazing throughout the whole process. And she said basically the same thing you guys say, like your, your GPA is more than just the number. There's a story behind it. Um, and as long as you can articulate that, whether it's in your personal statement or whatever the case is, if you're just able to articulate why the GPA is what it is and how you've grown from it and how you've matured from it, um, then, you know, you'll be all right. Nice. So it sounds like you had some good support, some good, uh, some good direction at hand. What, what do you think was the, the hardest thing when it came to kind of telling that story in your personal statement and your application itself? Not, not necessarily related to your GPA, but what do you think was the hardest thing when it came to telling your story in your application? Well, that's tough. There's, um, you know, I mean, it's a long journey for me. It's definitely not your, your typical pre-med. Um, so there was a lot of things to kind of explain there and what happened along the way. Um, I think the GPA obviously was t- tough to explain, but I, with the advice from you guys, I mean, it, it's, it made it a lot easier, you know, with my advisor to just focus on one short paragraph, explain it, why it happened, how it happened, and what you learned from it. Um, so that was definitely one of the things that was tough to kind of explain in there. And I also think just my story in general so once I, gra- I graduated in 2018, I didn't apply until last cycle was my first cycle. And then I got in this cycle, but just explaining all the time in between. And I think um, it was hard to kind of outline because there was a lot in there to really highlight the important stuff in that small 5,300 uh, character essay. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was definitely tough. But uh, like I said, with the advice from you guys and my advisor, I think it was really it helped a lot to kind of condense what needed to be in there and what didn't need to be in there. So, yeah. So let, let's talk about that. Multiple application cycles. You applied the first time you got some interviews. What do you think happened in terms of not being able to, to get that acceptance, the first application cycle? Uh, that's a tough question. I definitely think my interviews at a couple of them could have went a little bit better. Um, one school specifically at an MMI, and you know, that was their specific feedback that I just didn't um, explain my thought process very well. So that was definitely something that probably was a trend across the other um, the other two interviews as well. So um, I think the biggest thing was just maybe I, I could have prepared a little bit better, um, could have done more mock interviews and tried to get a little bit more feedback from people. Um, I really just did a a lot of practice interview questions myself and maybe did a couple mock interviews. So um, I would definitely recommend people do many, many mock interviews because that's the best way to kind of simulate <laughs> what you're going to experience. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the mock interviews, especially with an MMI, MMI goal is show your thought process. It's, it's, uh, um, I, I liken it to the old math days where the teacher told you to show your work if you wanted full credit for, uh, for the, the problem. So that's, exactly. that's definitely a key. So you, you go through the first application cycle. Uh, you get a couple wait lists and, and uh, outright rejection or nothing from the, the third school. And then comes 
the the daunting task of reapplying to medical school. But was there any part of your thought process that was like, okay, I gave it a shot. I'll go back to physical therapy or athletic training or PA or whatever. Not a single thought. Nope, not at all. Why not? I was going to apply as many times as I had to because um, at the end of the day, it's you have to do what you're passionate about. Um, no matter what profession you're in, it, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're just not, you're not going to be happy at the end of the day. And for me, I think this is, this is that thing. I don't think there's anything I'm really more passionate about than medicine. Um, that's really what, you know, what gets me up in the morning is being able to go to work and help people. And I can't wait to do that as a physician. Yeah. That's awesome. What was the the first step in kind of gathering your thoughts and figuring out what you needed to do to improve your application for another round? Uh, well, the first thing I did was obviously reach out to my advisor and we just talked about everything. Um, but I think what was most helpful was from one of the schools, I just got tremendous feedback. I mean, I can't say enough good things about them. They, um, you know, just told me straight up, like, we thought your GPA could have been better if it was good enough for us to interview you, things like that. Um, and they really just told me that, you know, your interview could have been better. That was really what it came down to with that school. Um, so that was, you know, I took that and really just focused on from the, the second that I submitted for this cycle, really just focused on prepping for interviews, prepping for interviews. I wanted to make sure that if I got an interview that I, I was as ready as I could be for it this time. Yeah, that's, that, that obviously makes sense. Getting some interviews and not getting acceptances, there's always that, that like, well, it was the interview. Uh, but you you made a big switch. And, and one of the, the, the interesting things that I wanted to bring you on for was the switch between applying to all the schools to applying early decision the second time around. Talk to me about that thought process. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. That was one that I sat on for a while. And, um, you know, it, if I just say something, if you're going to do a early decision, there has to be a lot of reasons for you to do it and no reasons for you to not do it. And for me, like I, I it checked every box why I should do it. Um, you know, the school I'm applying to was my number one school from the previous cycle um, based on some of the feedback that I got from them. You know, I, I knew that it wasn't really anything in my application that they weren't happy about. It was more just my interview. Um, also, for them, they did, uh, they're not rolling missions. They only do two, they, they don't give out their first decisions until like December. So I didn't want to wait mm. all the way until then again if I had to. Um, and then also for this cycle, I wasn't going to, even if I was to go regular decision, I wasn't going to apply to as many schools as I did the previous cycle because I was just gonna apply to schools that I got interviewed at. And if I didn't get an acceptance by December, I would have um, done a post-bac starting in the spring and then summer. And then obviously for the 2023 cycle, I would have some um, some work to show that I'm improving my GPA if I did, if it did come down to that, because I think that's a lot of, that's one of the main reasons why I didn't get an interview at a lot of the other schools that I applied to. Um, so for me, it really just checked every box that I was like this. It just makes 100% sense for me to go early decision year. Like there's really not much um, downside into doing it. 
the yeah. cycle. So the school that you applied early decision to was a school that you had interviewed at the previous cycle. Exactly. Yeah. And their basic feedback was when you just wanted to see you do a little bit better on your, um, on your interview. And we wanted to say the school that I was talking about earlier, they just wanted me to explain my uh, thought process a little bit more. Yeah. And you know, I was able to do that this time. So, yeah. Did you have any conversations with people about the change and how they potentially review an application early decision versus regular cycle? Yep. And this is another reason that was big for me. So the school that I talked to, they told me specifically that, you know, we treat early decision applicants just like any other applicant, whether you're regular decision or not. So that was another thing that was huge for me, knowing that it was, I think some schools will look at it that if you're early decision, they want you to have really high stats and mm-hmm. really great clinical experience and be, you know, your quote unquote perfect applicant. But um, luckily for me, this school was like, well, we will look at you just like we did the previous cycle and just like we did, um, just like we do with every other applicant. Yeah, that's that's huge that you were able to get that feedback, get that knowledge, because the the assumption is, right, the assumption is, well, if you granted me an interview this time, then you should technically grant me an interview next time. I'll do early decision and just get this out of the way. So exactly. you, you apply early decision. How much of your application did you change for that second application cycle? There wasn't a ton that changed. Um, I definitely rewrote my personal statement. Um, it was, again, it wasn't a huge change there. Maybe just a couple sentences here and there, um, just move some paragraphs around. There wasn't a ton. Um, it's because I really didn't have a lot to update because I was still doing the same activities I was doing from the previous cycle. I didn't have any new coursework. So there wasn't a ton to change, um, but I just kind of, I guess, went through it like I would just any like, college paper, basically. I was like, all right, here's all the things that are potentially bad. Here's all the things I should probably fix. And um, just change anything that I thought could use a little bit of touch up basically. Yeah. So you, you apply early decision. What was the, the uh, wait time? Cause it's, it seems like it's potentially less stressful cause it's only one school and just submit your application and, and wait to hear what, what was it like that, that waiting time between submitting for early decision f- between that and, and when you actually got your uh, interview invite? It was actually fairly quick. So I think I submitted in the middle of June to AMCAS. Um, and just for people that don't know, if you do do early decision, it basically bumps you to the front of the line. Mm. Um, so I was actually processed the next day, which was wow. nice because I thought I was going to have to wait. Yeah, so, oh, that's a secret. <laughs> yeah, for people that don't know, you get bumped to the front of the line. Um, and then I think my secondary, like the last week of June, first week of July, and I want to say my interview in way was around the last week of July. And my interview was like two weeks after that. And then like another two weeks after that, I got my acceptance. So I guess from the time that I submitted the secondary, about a month after that was the interview. And then about a month after that was the uh, was my acceptance call. So no change in stats, no change in MCAT score. The biggest change was interview prep. Absolutely. So you you go for your next interview day. Did anyone reach out to you or or on interview day go? So I see you interviewed last year and you were terrible. Hopefully you improved this time. Like what <laughs> what what happened there? 
No, uh, so I mean, it was MMI, so I didn't, no one really kind of had any uh, background on me, I guess. Anybody comment that you're a reapplicant or anything like that? A re-interviewer? Like from, my, from my interview? Yeah. No, no, because it was MMI, you know, they didn't really have any, any background. Um, and I don't think that there was really any situation that I brought it up in any point. So I'm going to have to think, I don't think they knew. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. So, so talk about the the thought process for you that that was different going into this second round MMI versus the first time around. So, I just focused a lot on the feedback that I got after my last one, which was just explain my thought process. So, every answer that I gave, I just had to put a why behind it. Why am I saying this? Why would I do that? Why am I thinking that? Whatever I said to them, I would finish it off with them because, and I would do this because, or I would say because, I just wanted them to know exactly where my head was and what my thought process was. So that was the biggest thing. I just focused on the feedback they gave me. Yeah, that that's awesome. What what uh, in terms of the MMI, how did you? prepare just in general because the the MMI scares a lot of people uh there there are no uh there 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 are no like um I don't know good I, mean, I can't think of the right the, the right thing to say this the it's just so different than a normal like tell me about yourself and why do you want to be a doctor mm-hmm. that, that students are very scared and they have no kind of representation of what that is um mm-hmm. what was it like in general for you going into that so I use a lot of different resources. I use the, um, you have a generator, like MMI question generator on your uh, website, which I used. I just Googled general MMI questions and I would make kind of flashcards with the questions. And a lot of times I would just write on the back of them, like what, um, why I would do that exactly. Or, um, I would always have an example for whatever I was answering just in case I needed to provide an example. Um, so a lot of it was me just running through those practice questions. And then at the end, looking on the back of the card, like, did I explain myself thoroughly? Did I state my why? Did I provide a solid example? So those were a lot of things that I did. And then just mock interviews, basically, um, practicing with friends, family, anyone that was willing to help me, just give them some um kind of give them a, a website and I was like, here, just pull some questions off of this and I'll, I'll respond to them. Um, yeah. So that was, those were all really helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. So y- you get that acceptance. What was that like for you? Oh, uh, that was, um, was more emotional than I thought it was going to be. Um, I remember I was at work and I, so I was originally supposed to get the call or, or get a decision on a Thursday and you know that they just told us that's when the decisions were going to be going out for early decision. I never got one. Um, and then they told me it was, so, you know, I'm just stressed out the whole day. And then <laughs> come Monday they, or I, I reached out to them that day or the following day and was like, Hey, you know, I knew I was, I was told I was supposed to be hearing from someone and they were like, Oh yeah, we have to push our meeting back here on Monday. And then Monday and you know, it's 12 o'clock rolls by and one o'clock and two and it's just going on and on. And I'm like, Oh, I guess I have to wait another day. And then finally at like four o'clock, like right at the end of the um, work, I got that call and 
I mean, it was, it was a lot more emotional than, than I thought I was going to be. Um, it was just like such a weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, I don't know, it, it's hard to describe. It's just something that I've been working for for a lot of years. And to see that finally, you know, come, happen is, it was, uh, it was awesome. It, it was an awesome feeling. That's awesome. Well, do you have any words of wisdom for the student listening to this who may be deciding early decision or maybe in a, a second application cycle and is looking for some motivation? What do you what do you say to them? I think the biggest thing is a lot of what you reiterate. I mean, it's about your story. You're, you're more than just your numbers. I mean, I, I didn't have a great GPA. I got I got some C's and some science courses, and I didn't have a you know 90th percentile MCAT, but I did have a pretty good story and I was able to articulate that. So for, for anyone listening that you're afraid your stats aren't good enough and focus on your story, tell them what makes you special and do whatever you can to highlight that as best you can, because that's what the schools want to know about. All right. So there you have it. Again, Evan talking about his journey to medical school, early decision, which for if you've followed me for a while, or if you've read like my, my, pre-med playbook guide to the medical school application process book. I have a whole chapter in there about early decision and I typically consider it a risk for students. But Evan did his homework. He realized that it's going to be the same process, early decision versus regular decision. And he was already offered an interview the first time around. He just needed to improve those interview skills, work those out, and get that acceptance to medical school. I hope this was helpful for you, give you a little bit of motivation and encouragement on your journey to medical school. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.